Joe, sir, want to hear a story? Yes. Well, I guess you already know the story, but at least one of them. Does a pool? I'm not sure I understand. I said story, not Siri. Does a penis-shaped pool ring a bell? Oh yes. Why does that ring a bell? I like them. <laughs> All right, so we worked at this house that uh, you went out the back door, and I am not kidding when I say they have two half circles on the back and a long protrusion that heads down towards the front on an infinity edge. And when you're standing in the back, it's not like it's off offset at all. It is stereotypical middle schooler is going to draw a penis. It's two balls and a shaft sticking right out looking across the valley. So um, the reason why this job is hilarious is because Joe brought up before we kicked it off as far as like, hey, what should we talk about tonight? And you said, we should call this one Perfect Imperfections. Right. Do you want to tell the people why that is? Um, yes. So in the world of glass and things related to such, uh, there are picky people that notice everything, and then there are normal people who don't notice most things. Now, this particular instance, there was a couple of occasions where we had more than a perfect piece of glass in 99% of people's eye, but there was an individual who decided the there was some necessity for getting in a ladder and inspecting every square inch of this piece of glass for about 10 minutes at a time when we would put a new piece of glass in. And this is, how would you describe this piece of glass? There's multiple characteristics of it. Like five feet by 10 feet panels. That's some of the doors. There's doors that are up probably a good 15 feet off the ground. Um, they have glass running throughout their entire house. Exactly. So everything has to be perfect. And what normal people consider perfect, like I was alluding to earlier, this particular person did not think it was perfect. So we ran into an instance where we were getting this person new glass to replace things that they felt were an issue. How many pieces did we give that person of that size of glass, do you think? I recall being closer to area three. Three's right, yeah, three sounds right. Yeah, so every time this person needed a new piece of glass, it would require six people? Uh, four. Four people, two trucks, and a trailer. Yeah. Now, the last time I was there, it was six because there was a couple people who weren't necessarily as confident as some of those other ones that had done it already and had experience with this um, door in particular. And it was always the same piece that failed. And the funny thing is like, there are some imperfections on there that were legitimate uh, and some of them that weren't. And so part of the reason that this job was very difficult was because, and the reason why Joe brought up perfect imperfections is Sometimes, yes, there'd be a little scratch or a little nick that it's like, but there are other times where you have to get up on the glass as close as you can, like a kid in a candy shop, face pressed against the, the window to be able to try and find anything. Uh, this house had so many blue tape marks all over that some of them you had to get up on like a 12 foot ladder to get 
within a foot of the ceiling to be able to see imperfections, either in the metal that was used around these windows or in the drywall itself. So it's one of those things where when you take a magnifying glass to a job site, you are going to find something because almost nothing is perfect in this entire world. So it, it was one of those things where the house was stunning, it's absolutely beautiful, but they blue taped the ever loving hell out of it because they were that picky. And for those of you that aren't aware, blue taping is what you do when you find something that you feel like it needs to be addressed after a home's been built or you've moved into a home and you're looking for concessions or something of that nature. Yep. So that is where you uh, would start with your corrections process on things that you feel are unjust in your home. This gentleman took it to another level, to say the least. Yes. All right, we have a hard transition tonight because time got a little away from us when we were prepping. And we're going to do something a little different. We're in a different location. We're not using the mics because we've got some stuff that uh, we're trying to kick off after this for our night. So, anyways... We are going to do our first uh, outbound calls. I guess we've had inbound calls on the podcast, but we're going to dial up some people, see if we can throw a question their way, give them five, 10 minutes on the podcast, and then we'll move on with the rest of it. So first person we're going to dial up real quick is Alex Reiki. He's been on the podcast before. He is the kingmaker. So we're going to call him up real quickly and hopefully hear everything well on the audio hello hello how's it going ah good you guys <laughs> we're doing well we're on the spot you see okay yeah we were we're switching things up a little bit for tonight for the podcast so we we're gonna be calling you and then we'll call my brother next and then uh we might be calling one other person but um we're doing kind of a couple of quick questions for you. I know I sent this over to you, but um, something that we've been talking about a little bit in person is going to be consultants and large companies. So we talked about when you were on the podcast uh, that you work with a large company, you've got experience with uh, some larger organizations and every once in a while uh, consultants get hired by those companies. So wanted to kind of ask you on the podcast to explain for people what do the consultants get brought in for uh, and what's the advantage or disadvantages to using them for the company? Okay, sure thing. Uh, with a lot of that stuff, it really, again, the, the general answer is it depends. It depends on what the company needs. When you need to hire, hire a specialist that knows their stuff, but you know you may, may only have a few projects for them, a consultant could be a really good fit for them. I see it kind of like in construction when you're hiring a, a plumber uh, and you need them to go install a toilet or, or whatever plumbing for your house, you may not need a plumber all the time, but it helps to have someone who you can trust and has the knowledge to come do a specific job. So for a lot of projects, it helps to have a consultant, whether they have expertise in project management, whether it be data and analytics, even accounting, there's all kinds of consultants everywhere. Um, or like for especially publicly traded companies, it's really popular to have like an audit uh, team of consultants because you don't really need to audit that often, but it helps to have uh, you know a big company that you can trust with experts. They can come in, audit all your stuff for a couple months. You pay them, and then uh, and then they move on, and you don't have to keep paying them a salary the whole time. So a lot of kind of the specificity that you might not see in the day to day from your regular team. Exactly. 
But then when you have things that you need more often, then it becomes a little bit too costly to have consultants. Generally, you are paying more of an upcharge, but on one hand, you know, you're not paying benefits, you're not paying bonuses, whatever you need for that uh, consultant, but they are generally at a higher premium. So you got to balance that wisely in terms of whatever your business needs are. Gotcha. So I'm assuming that that's going to be kind of the disadvantage to using a consultant is just the the fees that you have to pay on a regular basis to get their expertise. Exactly. Yeah. So ha- ha- hiring a consultant, especially during with uh, certain consulting companies, uh, long term is going to be more expensive than just hiring and training a qualified employee. So I mean, there's advantages and disadvantages to both. It really comes down to what your business needs and what the what the long term goals are. Gotcha. Cool. And then Joe had a question for you. So in your specific line of work, I understand you work with medical facilities, is this correct? Mm-hmm. And you also see about uh, accounting, if you will, and uh, hypothetically speaking, bills being paid and bills going unpaid. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Now, out of curiosity, how they break down as far as these medical facilities, what tenants operate in what buildings, which of the, I guess, the medical field doesn't pay bills on time more often than not? So pediatric surgeons versus dentists versus, you know, x-ray technicians, how does that all work out? I, I don't actually know the answer to that. That's a really interesting question. Um, we, a lot of uh, companies really try to look at that stuff in terms of uh, the specialty. Um, I don't actually know off the top of my head what, what type of doctor uh, misses rent more often than the other. So that would be a really interesting data set to look at. Um, and I might have to get back to you on that. But um, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much all, all I got for that. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure exactly if there would be a good answer for that, but I thought I wouldn't have to ask because that would be a really interesting I, point. I mean, as a whole, there are definitely like, um, because especially nowadays, it's not necessarily as many mom and pop uh, shops for this. You get these really, really big health systems like Banner Health, like especially in Phoenix, we see like a Brazo, Banner. Uh, Mayo Clinic, stuff like that. So you see these really big groupings. So a lot of times, um, places that are like leasing out this space, they want to get chummy with the really big health systems because it's much easier to have a deal between them and say, hey, we've got five buildings in the same area. Let's lease like all the space to you guys here versus trying to fill that with mom and pop places because that's a lot more uh, leads that you have to kind of follow up with and, and loose ends that you have to deal with. So. Um, as a whole, especially bigger companies really look at it as like, oh, well, we don't really want to do business with, you know, maybe a brazo because the credit rating isn't as good and that doesn't look as good as our portfolio than it does when we're saying, oh, we're working with some of the biggest health systems in the nation uh, that have really good credit ratings and are really well known for paying their bills. And I'm assuming we're just using those names as placeholders. We're not actually putting a remark on those companies. Yes. Yes, I, I'm not assigning any intention or or reputation to any specific healthcare. <laughs> I, don't we, I don't even think we do business with so I think we're good. Step it up, you're you're missing the missing a good opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, any other questions you got for me? I think that's it for tonight. We'll probably bug you again on a different episode, but we appreciate it. All right, thanks, gentlemen. Have a good one. All right, you too. All right, see ya. Bye.
Good first call. Yeah. So I had been talking to Alex and it was interesting just because learning about the company he works in, they've got a bunch of employees in that company and then he was telling me about they've got consultants and all these things and I was like, shouldn't you have people for that? And as he was walking me through like, hey, no, like here's why. To me it was just like an oh moment. So thought it'd be a little fun to share. Uh, that's kind of what we're gonna try and do. Uh, we've got Malika coming on next. We're gonna do kind of the same thing with him on the trade side. We still have, uh, we need to wait a couple more minutes uh, for his time block when he'll be on our call. I feel like this is really like, we have a segment, but anyways, enjoy the podcast with us. It's a shit show as you all know. Mm. Um, I was talking with them, I was talking with Alex and he had a group of guys over at his place uh, a couple weeks ago and they were talking about like a lot of the larger corporate structure. And he was telling me that, uh, or a couple of the guys there were telling me, you'd be surprised at how many companies run out of Excel. Purely out of Excel. One of one of the gentlemen there works for a larger company and says, uh, said that they had to call out a specialist from Microsoft because they've been running Excel for recording, a, I think it was sales or stuff like that inside their company since the 90s. They've kept track of all the transactions since the 90s. So what happened was eventually they found the bottom of an Excel spreadsheet. So they called out the Microsoft guy to be like, hey, how do we fix this? Because we can't put anything else in here. We can't record the, the sales that are going on. And the Microsoft guy looked at them and goes, you do realize this is not in any way what Excel is supposed to be used for, right? So having to tune them up on, hey, you are a multi, multi, multi million dollar company that has been around for decades. What in the absolute hell are you doing just running everything through Excel. Which is insane to hear because if you've ever tried to make an Excel spreadsheet, it's not as, it's not the hardest thing in the world to do, but it's also not the easiest thing. There's a lot of tricks and uh, I don't know exactly who would know how to run Excel well enough to keep up with all that in the first place. But that is a dedication. That's... Dude, there are, a, there are entire college courses dedicated to Excel. One of our previous bosses uh-huh uh he was really good in excel so there's people where it's like if you're an office person like you can become an excel monkey and so you probably have one of those people where they're turning in a physical sheet or there's an email but they're just filling out an entire sheet of excel to be like hey here's what the entire business is doing all right i'm gonna text him out here real quick to see if he's ready wonderful but in that whole conversation, I was learning a lot about some of the larger businesses because the guys there, like, it's like you and I, except for you worked at an auto parts store that has a national chain. So that's a larger Well, business. even at that point, when I was doing inside sales, a lot of what I was doing was actually on Excel. And that's why I was keeping track of orders and a lot of things that were very meticulous and minute. Um, but it would be down to the T of like, well, this customer wants this, this time frame. But I was really strategic about it because I didn't want any anything to get overlooked because the way I get put in the position, I want to make sure I look good. So when I put it in order with the manufacturer and said, I need so many of these engines, for example, and I need them by this date, can this be fulfilled? I would 
jot down, you know, the length of the conversation sometimes, depending on who it was. Okay, that but, person. But was this a personal Excel sheet? This is a personal Excel. Well, I mean, it wasn't personal. Um, you used it for the company, but you created it. Exactly. So it would be like that auto parts company running their business out of Excel. Yeah. That would be nuts. To have someone who's like, hey, personally, like, what's the best way to collate data and understand everything through the different frames? That makes sense. But when you have someone who's like, I'm going to run a multi, multi, multi-million dollar business and how, like, how many thousands of transactions are we stacking on, po- on top of each other? It doesn't make sense at that point. Insanity. Yep. All right. Malika said he's ready, so. Power to him. Next call. Next call. And I hope the audio is being picked up. Let's get another loud car to drive Hello. by. Hello. You are live are you? on a recorded podcast. We are well. <laughs> we're rolling? Yeah, we're rolling. You're our second call of the night. Nice. Who's the first? Alex. Alex. From the wedding. Oh, Von Reich? The handsome yeah. one. <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right. We don't want to keep you too long. So um, we'll start off with the fun question. How many volts of electricity does it take to kill a man? So voltage is not what kills you. It's actually amperage. Ooh. I mean, so that being said, enough volts will finally kill you. But um, more people die off of getting shocked by 120 volts than they do other stuff, mostly because that's what's most readily available, right? Like, plenty of um, uh, utility electricians and linemen die from the high voltage stuff, but 120 is everywhere, right? Hmm. Um, it's all about the amperage behind it. So, really, um, anything between 100 and 200 milliamps and up is lethal. Where can we experience that kind of power in, a, in an average setting? Um, anywhere. If something has amperage on it and current going through it and you put yourself in series with that, um, you can if it goes through your heart, you can die. So fork in an outlet gonna kill me? Um, not necessarily no, because there's not current right there, right? It could be you just I mean if if there is current there, like something's down the stream, it's daisy chain, there's it's pulling amperage and you have a way of it's passing through your heart. And that's your in series of that line. Like I can, it'd be it's harder to explain over the phone, but you're in series of that line, and you're making yourself a path for that current. Then yes, you will die. Understood. Okay. Um, but there are people that um, touch five thousand volts upward that get hurt. Cause it's going to hurt you, but you don't die. Hmm. And that's why even like the electric chair wouldn't always kill people because it's purely voltage. But if you added current, you made someone a current carrying path, then they would die. Why didn't they just do that? That's a great question. I don't know. They didn't have to ask people that made that up. <laughs> they were German. Because, so if you think about it, tasers are like, I don't know, 10,000 plus volts, right? But there's no current at all. There's nothing drawing an amp value. But it's pumping you full of voltage and stored energy inside like that battery, right? And so real quick. You what is what is the amp value then? Because it's like everyone usually is pretty, like someone might be able to know that's a 15 amp breaker, but like what does that mean and how does how does that uh, apply to kind of construction or normal day life? 0.1 amps. 
less than an amp can kill you. Right, but and what what isn't what is an amp though? Like as far as so amperage is basically like the strength of the power you're pulling, right? So if you think about it in terms of like water, like if you have a hose turned on, right? The the faster the water moves through it, consider that your voltage, right? But the bigger your hose is for the more volume going through, that's your amperage, right? That's more powerful. So you can have a high voltage, lots of like it's moving fast through it and low amperage, so it's not very big volume, or you can have vice versa. You can have a, a larger hose with lots of water going through, but it's slower. But that volume coming through, that's the power, that's the energy that is what can kill you. So that's why usually on larger appliances or larger units, they're going to have a higher amperage breaker to allow for more of that electricity to flow through rather than the voltage change. Yeah, so like you may have in your own panel at home, right? Everything is 120 volts, 240 volts in there, right? 120 single phase, you'll face to phase is 240. Um, you may have like a 50 amp for your uh, your range or 40 amp. And so that's for that higher energy pull on an appliance is gonna use more power. Whereas your bedroom circuits have only 15 because you're only powering lights, maybe TVs and you know, lamps and fans and stuff, you know? Um, and so those breakers are a protection that when it goes over that amp draw, that energy pull, it is going to safely trip that breaker so there's no damage done to the conductors or the panel. Nice. I feel like we got a lot more out of that question than we thought. Yeah. <laughs> I can hear, like, this is so, what it takes for someone to smell the that. Sensation of, like, thre the threshold of sensation is, like, one thousandth of an amp. Okay. You'll feel like that, and you'll start feeling pain. Um, is that why the dog shot collars at the wedding sucked no matter what we did? Those were voltage. Those would just be a voltage. Hmm. Right. Like, it's putting out voltage on one side and it's reading across your leg to the other side. Alright. So that's not amperage. You know, that's, like, and that's where the confusing part is too, like, oh, I got hit by, like, they're like, oh, I got hit by this and it hurts way more. But yeah, it's like, that voltage may hurt more if you're at a higher voltage. Like, people say, oh, getting hit by 277 is way worse than 120. And I haven't hit by 267, but I imagine it is because it's, there's more voltage there. But you're not going to die if you're not putting yourself in serious retirement, you know? Gotcha. So. Bigger shaft, yeah. more amperage, more lethal. Stay away from big shafts. Sure, yeah, if that helps you, yeah. <laughs> All right, last question real quick before we let you go. If you've got a brand new guy, comes on the crew, uh, he is looking to buy some tools. Uh, he's got a budget, obviously, because I'm assuming we're going to just pretend he's a young guy like you and I were when we started in the trades. Uh, what's, what are the things you're telling him to buy, uh, whether that's brand or just tools in general? Brand, I recommend Husky to start with for, like, screwdrivers and nut drivers. For electrician's tools, Klein is the way to go. You want a pair of linemans, a pair of uh, side cutters or dykes, a pair of needle nose, and a pair of strippers. And that's a good start for like electrician's tools right there. Then you're gonna want to get some a set of screwdrivers. I get Huskies if it was me just to start. Um, even the Milwaukee's have affordable screwdrivers now, a set of them. And then nut drivers, I'd get the Huskies again, just get some Husky nut drivers or the Klein multi nut drivers. You get everything, you know. And then for power tools, I would say you just need a drill impact, 
and solves all to start, and I recommend Milwaukee. But I mean, that's your on a budget. You need to get some tools like, and if you're really on a budget, they sell like this commercial electric pack of it gives you a few screwdrivers, a few nut drivers, all the electrical tools you need, as in like you know pliers, dikes, strippers, and needle nose for like ninety nine bucks. But I know it's an investment. But if you start by getting better hand tools at the very beginning, they will last you a long time. Sweet. Well, thanks for jumping on the podcast real quick. Appreciate it. No problem. You guys have a good one. All right, you too. Absolutely. Pleasure as always, sir. Good to talk to you, Joe. Hate it, buddy. Bye now. All right. We have another call. Completed. That was actually pretty solid. <laughs> I feel like I know a little bit more about electricity, but it will soon leave my ears as it, uh, the voltage did from the shock collars. <laughs> you can always listen to the episode again. I will need to. <laughs> I will take that knowledge with me. All right. How much time are we into this thing? We're 24 minutes in. Mm. Let's get to... 25. Good for us. Let's get to um, catching up on the week that was. So, Saturday... We did some work. Some. Cars drove by. You can probably hear that on the recording. Diesel truck. Yeah. Um, so let's jump into what did we do work-wise this weekend, and then what did you do as a fun-loving madman this weekend? Oh, yes, many good things. Uh, we can start with the work, then with the more professional end of things. Uh, we went to a dog groomer's uh, home where they do all, all their work, it looks like. And we replaced a slightly glass door, put in a new ceiling fixture, light slash fan. Very weird. Uh, unlike a traditional fan, it actually had the lights on the outside and the fan on the inside. First time I've ever seen anything of that nature. Very cool. That is, how was that process for you? Frustrating. <laughs> no way. <laughs> uh, that, my problem with fans, is I glance at the instruction book, like, oh yeah, yeah, I got it. Start working on putting it together, get stumped, look at the instruction book and go, all right, I need to undo what I just did, put the part that I missed on there and then redo it. And that happens about two to three, two to three times. And then, and then the light fixture or the fan can go up. So did you deliberately neglect the swearing part? No, there's, there's probably like, Profuse swearing. The longer it goes on, they get strung together. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, it becomes <laughs> a symptom. We had we had two jobs on Saturday, and so uh, the nice part about the the door that we were doing it's it it's on the interior, so we didn't have to do the same exterior prep that we would in regards to watershed like we would with an exterior. So no flashing, no extra caulking. Not that we didn't caulk it, but we didn't use yeah. as much as we typically would. Yep, um, but made sure everything is nice and tight, everything is operating absolutely correctly. Uh, and then we're trying to get that done because we knew I, we had a second job and we didn't know how long the second one was gonna take us. So I think we were both a little bit stressed as far as trying to get that first one done. So I'm trying to get this freaking fan put together. Joe's trying to put the final touches on this sliding door and we're both just starting to lose our minds like, we, it, for me, it was like, I could just feel the time ticking by and I'm like, son of a bitch. Yes. But it was a good core fundamental practice day, essentially, because there wasn't yep. anything special we were doing. It was pulling out an old door, roughly the same size, 
and then putting a new one in that ended up being a little bit larger so we had to get a little um we didn't make any interesting decisions with the frame we just had to make some changes uh some of the stuff that was there originally maybe wasn't done to what we considered to be our standard but we went ahead and corrected it and got the door fit everything worked beautifully homeowner was happy with everything we had done and actually tried to get us to do some more projects around the house so that's the kind of stuff we like to see in a work day is yep. when somebody's so happy they don't want us to leave not that we don't want to come home but they want us to come back at least yep and so. then yeah, the second thing was uh, getting, rid of, getting rid of the chimney, which was kind of an interesting thing, and a fireplace on the inside. Um, he was happy because after the frustration of having to fiddle with the fan, he got to swing a hammer. The biggest one I think he owns, as a matter of fact. Yeah. How, much, how heavy is that hammer? It's a 10-pound sledgehammer. Mm. How many times did you swing it roughly? Not that much. That thing came apart real fast. Why do you think that it was? Hit the piss out of it. I could hear it. <laughs> and mind you, I'm on the roof while he's doing this, and I'm watching the ground shake, causing the roof that I'm standing on to shake. It's a little unner unnerving, but it was a good time. So the story behind this was, um, I'll give the long version. I got asked to put in a bid to tear out an exterior wall that included a fireplace and chimney and install a bifold door. This is by a friend of mine. Uh, and so <clears throat> I knew that my bid was competing against other people's. Uh, so I said, hey, here's the number that I'm projecting for us to get this done. It was very comparable to what the um, other uh, bid was coming in at. And since they seem to have a little bit more of the flexibility and schedule that uh, my friend was looking for, I said, hey, Price-wise, we're very similar. They've got that extra, uh, they, they've got the schedule that they can take care of for you. So I said, I'm not hurt by it. Feel free to go with them. They're, if they're a great company that they're recommended, go for it. Then some issues started happening where uh, the company didn't want to demo the fireplace and the chimney so much so that they stopped responding to my friend when uh, they were trying to... How dare you? Now we're getting a call in. A custom call. Yeah. A brief intermission. Spam. Damn. Anyways. So... Ooh, let me cut that part out. So, spam phone call. Anyways, um, they were giving some trouble about the fireplace in the chimney, so uh, they ended up having to pivot real quickly to another company that the window, uh, the door supplier recommended for them and said, hey, sorry about that with that vendor, here's someone else. But then they were being told by that company they didn't want to tear out the chimney and the fireplace either. Now. A lot of people, what you're thinking of right now is going to be a brick fireplace and a brick chimney. We've all seen this. It's that stereotypical red brick with the gray grout running all through it, all the way up. That's not what this is. Chimneys and fireplaces are kind of an illusion now. They have, you have a container that holds your fire essentially with little brackets coming off of it to make sure that there's enough space around combustible material. 
so that it doesn't light your house on fire. But it'll have like an aluminum tube that runs up into the chimney and out of it. So the chimney was wood framing covered by siding that has the aluminum tube in the center of it, like I said, with enough spacing so the heat doesn't hurt it. And all that's going to be based off of what code says. And we've got this here for a special reason tonight because we are mixing things up. Anyways, uh, so we knew that it was going to be the wood paneling and wood framing. So we went in there. They've got some brick around the um, hearth of the fireplace, all kinds of stuff like that. So that's where we had to hit it with the sledgehammer. There's a little bit of stucco just because that's where a lot of your heat is going to be radiating into the home. You don't want to have a lot of combustibles there, but up on the roof for the chimney, it was all wood framing. So it's not something that I think a lot of these companies should have shied away from. There's no gas that they had to worry about, nothing like that. So in the end, it was something where it's like, hey, we got called in to do the demo. My friend's like, hey, I'm in a tight spot. And it was like, we can come take care of it. We knocked it out, made sure that they were ready for uh, the guys to come in on Monday, do their thing. Uh, I got pictures of it. They're super happy with how the door turned out, all that good stuff. So in the end, it, it worked out really well. But I also feel like this is one of those situations where, and I think they even realized it too, that it was like, now we're having to piece out each part of this project. Whereas when we came in, we said, we will take care of the entire thing. Here's what we're willing to do. And I know that as far as for us, they've already talked to us about doing more work at their house. So we lost the big contract. We still got our section. We got a section of it, but then also based on what we did, we probably now have them as a customer as long as we do right by them for the rest of our lives that we'll have them as long as the company's in business. So fun times. Take care of people that take care of you. I don't know. What is that? Is it a good business model? I don't know. <laughs> Joe? Yeah. What'd you do this weekend? A lot. <laughs> um, so immediately after working with you, I went home. Uh, so keep in mind, I woke up at 5.30, I think it sounds about right, to have been available here at 6.30 yeah. to start our work day. Saturday. Saturday. Yep. So Friday night, I think I even did something which I don't recall necessarily. I didn't get much sleep, was a good way to put it. Um, I ended up going home for a very brief time, long enough to change clothes, uh, not even quite a shower after having been on a roof all day, wearing a long sleeve shirt and probably sweat about as much water as I drank, which was a little over a gallon. It was a good time. Uh, 105, 102, somewhere in that area. Not, not a cold day. Uh, um, but yeah, went home, changed, got my mini bike loaded in the back of the truck, went to my buddy's place out in uh, Buckeye, which is a good hour and 10-ish minute drive with the way that 10's been. Hung out with them. Uh, did some mini bike related activities. Bought another mini bike, unfortunately. Uh, so you turned around and spent all your money? No, not even. Yeah, I got a good deal on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from that point, we decided we were going to do some four wheel driving out to some uh, abandoned mine shafts and do some cave exploration, where we also had uh, decided to bring some firearms along, which is usually how those things go. But a good time, nonetheless. Uh, I mean, there's, there's many highlights, not, not a small amount, not a large amount. Um, a grasshopper became prey to the um, suppressed 22. That was a good time. <laughs> I can say I've shot a grasshopper at the 22. Uh, that was fun. 
Oh, three o'clock in the morning is when I ended up home. I uh, woke up at something between seven or eight, got ready, made my way down to Castle Grand for Father's Day, which was, you know, a good thing. Happy Father's Day, by the way. I uh, went bowling with my old man and uh, my brother and sister as well. Celebrated Father's Day that way. Uh, we had lunch beforehand, which was nice. Immediately after that, got rolling with my brother to go ride dirt bikes at his place, not 20 minutes away. Stayed on the dirt bikes for a couple hours before realizing mine was essentially a death trap, which sealed my fate into buying a dirt bike, um, which may happen this coming week. Uh, so that's going to be great. I'm going to spend as much on a dirt bike as I did on my truck. Fantastic. It's a problem. It's a good problem, but it's a problem. And what else do we do? That was kind of the riffraff. I think I got maybe a combined 10 hours of sleep between Friday to Sunday. Um, Sunday night was good for rest. Yeah, I was out by nine. <laughs> I woke up on Sunday morning, looked at Instagram, saw Joe had posted a story at like th two or three in the morning. I'm like, what the hell is he still doing up? And then I called him like, hey dude, how's it going? He's like, I'm pretty tired. <laughs> Yeah, it was, a, it was a long night. Saturday night in particular was uh, really long. Um, the drive well, was from Buckeye to Tonopah and then off-roading at 15-ish miles an hour to 20-ish miles an hour. The trail was pretty aggressive. Probably the worst conditions I've ever seen it in. But manageable. And we got it done. Oh, rode some actual, rode a actual motorcycle too, which was nice. Not that I don't have experience doing it, but it was just fun to do that again after so long because that'll be my next big purchase, most likely. Outside of the dirt bike, at least. Uh, yeah. What about you, my man? Um, came home Saturday night. Went to dinner with uh, some family. Sunday, it was church. Then dinner or lunch with my family and my grandparents. And then that night it was dinner with the wife's dad for Father's Day and kind of called it a night after that. And it was not as busy as your weekend, but it felt like we were just running and gunning the entire time. So not a very restful weekend. But, but a good one. Good weekend. Yes. Yep. Well, I think that kind of, uh, I don't know. Let's hit our standards for the night. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sledgehammers in the Office podcast, where we celebrate the heavy hitters on the job site and in the office. Today at E, I'm joined by Joseph Morris. What are you drinking? We are drinking uh, Core Power Elite Strawberry 42 Grams Complete Protein. I don't know. I was kind of suspicious of this, but it's actually like a strawberry milkshake. I'm happy. Nice. And then, as always... Shamrock Farms, chocolate milk, the whole milk, because that's the one that everyone loves. Except for Bobby. Yeah, Bobby's got his problems, but we love him. Mm. Uh, inventory, uh, this is going to be for real estate. Obviously, we've been talking about a lot of construction because Mason's not here. He's, he's out working tonight. He's showing homes, so that's why we decided instead of going across town to record at the office, we're just going to record in the old apartment, but uh, these numbers are tracking the inventory for Arizona, the greater Phoenix area of Arizona, in regards to how many active homes there are, how many have closed in the last month, 
uh, so that you guys can keep track of what the real estate market is doing. There's a lot of clickbait out there right now, so we wanna give some actual tangible numbers. Active homes in the greater Phoenix area right now are 8,211. This is gonna be down 637 from last month. Continuing that trend, active numbers are going down. We haven't broken that 8,000 barrier yet, but still decreasing. Closed in the last month is 5,896. That one, I believe it says down 116, but I believe that's actually up 116 over a month ago. So same thing, interest rate, Mason's the one who usually provides that for us on that end. So uh, we're gonna be skipping that one tonight. But as far as I know, nothing's changed. Essentially 7% interest rate, two by fours, 315. That should be roughly the same or down 10 cents. If you care about that plywood, 1535, that's gonna be up $1.10. And we've been kind of watching that one increase since November. Half inch, 10 foot copper pipe is 2781. That's been staying relatively the same, but since last month, that is actually down $1.45. So um, we're gonna kind of leave the real estate numbers there. Building materials right now, uh, plywood is gonna be the one that we do. Rec I do recognize that bounces around the most. You, We've been talking about the numbers the entire time on the podcast as far as the 2x4s and the plywood. 2x4s have stayed relatively stable in the times that we've tracked it. What have we noticed about plywood? Plywood is up, down, and everywhere. It doesn't, it, it's hard to in some ways say like, oh, like wood stable because plywood isn't. So um, yeah, any thoughts on that before we move on? I think it could be the manufacturing process of plywood, depending on the quality of wood, because two by fours are all what the core of the tree is. But plywood is primarily gonna come from almost some of the scraps you're gonna see with other wood manufacturing processes. So one of my buddies actually works for a company that does uh, trucking for a uh, sawmill that they own. Uh, so they in-house most of our labor and stuff, which is really cool of them as a company to do. Um, so he actually transports sawdust and wood chips and a lot of what you're gonna see with plywood is just gonna be, uh, how would you explain the uh, the composition of plywood? So it you've got OSB, which is gonna be a lot of chips of wood that are glued together. And then <clears throat> your, I'd say your hard, more hardwood plywoods are gonna be thin sheets of wood that have been cut and then laminated together on top of each other. Hmm. Now, I think there's an acronym for that specific, that last one you mentioned is MDF, MDX, something of that nature? MDF is gonna be, that's, uh, I think that's actually compressed sawdust with glue. Hmm. So I think OSB is gonna be the one that is more of the strips and chips of wood that have all been glued together, but yeah. And that's kind of what we're talking about when we see these plywood prices. We're looking at OSB primarily. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and that's gonna be like, that's gonna be your cheapest. So it does it apply in all applications? No, there's certain things, if it's um, certain roofing applications, they might say, hey, you actually need to have a sheathing rather than just an OSB that goes on there. And there's different reasons why you might wanna use it. OSB does tend to be the cheapest out of all of those. That's why we do track it because that's probably gonna be the one that um, most regular consumers would find themselves buying. And it's what you're going to see on the side of the road as you're driving by houses under construction. That's the, the primary outer layer of a home before you start seeing paints, stuccos, things of that nature. Yep. Essentially. Mm, very good. All right. 
I think we've burned through our notes pretty well, huh? Yeah, I think so. I think we've pretty much hit the end with the, the exception of Mason not wanting to participate. Well, like I said, he's out there slanging houses. So this is true. This is very true. Dude's been busy. He's mm -hmm. been killing it on his end. So hope that that continues for him. And before we leave you tonight with our short, shorter podcast for the evening, but we hope you enjoyed it. New segment that we're doing for the show, which is your weekly code book. This is the IRC International Residential Code for one and two family dwellings, 2018. We are looking at R310.2.1. This book is fat. It's big. 3.10.2.1 regards minimum opening areas. Emergency escape, escape and rescue opening shall have a net clear opening of not less than 5.7 square feet. The net clear opening dimensions required by the section shall be obtained by the normal operation of the emergency escape and rescue opening from the inside. The net clear height of the opening shall not be less than 24 inches and the net clear width shall not be less than 20 inches. Let me simplify this word garbage for you. Your escape opening needs to be at least 24 inches wide. Let's reel it back. When you say escape opening, are we talking about? It could be like a window in a bedroom. So usually we've got egress windows. So if, house, if you're in a house, it's a single family home, house catches on fire, people in the bedroom need to be able to get out. So that is their way of egress. So it needs to be at least 24 inches high and 20 inches wide. All that other verbiage in there is because someone wanted to do some word salad at the law firm when they were putting this thing together. So good for them. It boils down to minimum 24 inch height, 20 inch width. This has been your weekly IRC with SITO. It's his responsibility to memorize this entire book. Yes, it is. Fortunate. All right. That's it. Joe, sir, where can I find you? Uh, search it underscore there on Instagram, just to look for my nonsense. Maybe you can keep up with my midnight adventures uh, in caves. All right, so we had a different Instagram before this. We're going back to search it underscore there. This is true. All right, search it underscore there. Disregard all the previous episodes. This is also true. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Saito underscore building to see what we're doing in construction. I try and post uh, probably a week after we do some of our projects. Uh, there's some stuff that I do working full time with the general contractor. So you'll see some of that on there as well. Um, it's good stuff. Yeah. If you guys want to DM me about a project you've got going on. Uh, or if you want to talk about what you've got going on, feel free to shoot me a text or shoot me a call 602-471-8182. Big part of what we're doing too is we want to be, we're trying to be experts in construction. Uh, there's a lot of people who talk about, I don't know anyone who's in the trades who can do X, Y, and Z. Reach out to us. We're in the trades. We If we don't know how to do it, we can probably point you in the right direction with the amount of people that we know in the trade. So don't hesitate to reach out. This is a sincere ask as far as if you have a question, even if it's a dumb question, send it our way. We will try and give you a legitimate answer on that. So until next time. Keep your... Listen here, buddy, sound the notes.
It is on the notes. Oh, wait, 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 yeah, yeah. Until hope, next time. I hope your hammer stays accurate. Your Wi-Fi fast. And your work blessed. See everybody. Mm. Bluff, bluff. <laughs>